You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 78 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am Pimp Cron. You are the audience. This is the podcast. So now that that's over. Uh, I just blew all my energy right in the first five seconds. Jeez, I'm tired now. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about Real Talk with the Pimpcron, spurred on by an email from uh, Tom. And he wanted to know if I could read some of my mean comments from my articles. And, you know, I am going to do it. <laughs> so that's that's what we're doing tonight real talk with Pimpcron. And uh don't think this is a pity party. Don't think this is like oh woe is me look how mean people are to me. No, it's it's pretty funny, but it makes it funnier once you put yourself in my shoes where you spend an hour or two writing an article each week and then you post it online and everyone takes the piss out of it. Uh I explain more about the whole process and everything in that segment. So I'm not going to go into it here. We also have a, well, here's an idea, where it is live conversation from the Shorehammer Roundtable with uh, roughly 30 people, and we discuss, uh, this segment is mostly on stratagems, and there's a couple ideas that actually could be really good for the game that they have in this uh, segment, and um, just in general, some things that are, you know, their take on stratagems, how you think you could fix stratagems, do stratagems need fixing, Blah, blah, blah. Should everybody share stratagems or, or whatever? So that is really cool. I enjoyed listening to that. I am super tired. Um, last two nights, I haven't got a whole lot of sleep. And uh, yesterday, we drove up to meet my friend Sean from Basement Wargamers and a couple of buddies. We went on a bro, tri- bro trip and uh, we played a little narrative game. This wasn't like a public thing. This was just, you know, a, a handful of people from uh, his group and a handful from my group. And it was really fun. We played Age of Sigmar, we played 40k, uh, got our butts handed to us. Their group is a, I mean, they go to a lot of tournaments and things like that. And uh, even though they did, they went to great strides to tone down their lists, you know, and just take, you know, just normal lists, nothing crazy. Um, We did not do very well as a group. We, um, We lost almost all of the games. But it's not necessarily about losing, but it's you know losing or winning. But it was still a lot of fun, and uh, ended up going up there with um just James and a couple other people, and it was a lot of fun, an all day bro trip, and two of the people have never been on a bro trip with us before, so that was fun. They added something new to the to the trip, and you know we laughed and joked and all that, and you know then we also had serious conversations, like we were talking about. I really got to know these guys a lot better over a six hour round trip car ride, and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So if Sean, if you are listening to this episode, thanks a lot for having us and hosting a little get together because it was a ton of fun. Basement War Gamers are a wargaming group out of uh, Pottstown or Phoenixville area near Philadelphia in PA. And uh, they come to Shorehammer every year and they're just they're just a bunch of great guys. So having said that, what have I been up to? Well, I can tell you what I've been up to. I had an Age of Sigmar game this past Wednesday at the gaming club with my buddy Ash. He plays Nighthaunt, and I brought my Stormcast. And I, this is one of those things where it's like I'm Winston Churchill, and I'm like, never give up, never give up, never, never, never give up, right? Because I looked at the board come turn, like, three, and I looked at the board, and I said, you know what? I can't do anything. Like, I literally, and I said this out loud, I said, look, dude, 
I am positive. I would give you $5 to bet that I have lost this game. Okay. I said, so, you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep playing, blah, blah, blah. But I'm looking at my options here and I'm looking at the probability of the way things are going to go. And this is not in my favor. So, you know, but, but let's keep going. But I just want to let you know that from here on out, I'm declaring that I've probably lost this. And then the tides turned. So at first, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't rolling. I was rolling slightly less than average. He was rolling slightly more than average, average. And, um, and he was all up in my grill. And then come turn, like, I think it was three or so. I got the double turn, which was a huge deal. My adjudicators started to actually start hitting things, which was a huge deal. And the first time this has ever really worked out in my favor, I had a uh, Lord uh, Celestin on a Dracoth. And then I had two Tempesters on Dracoths, obviously. And they have this lightning breath thing where lightning comes out of their mouth. And it's a 12-inch range uh, thing. And on a 4-up, the opponent gets D3 mortal wounds. And there's no roll to wound or save or whatever. Well, he had the dude, the Nighthaunt dude, on the throne that was there. And he was all up on my grill getting ready to destroy my uh, adjudicators. And my uh, Lord Celestine went over, and then my two Tempesters went over, and out of the three four-up hits, three four-up shots, two of them hit, and I both rolled a three damage for both of them. So, I did six mortal wounds in one turn to that leader and just aced him. Like, he didn't save anything. I completely killed him. And killing him, that, and getting the double turn, and my Judicators actually starting to do something in shooting... Uh, it really turned it around and believe it or not, I won. I almost tabled him. He had one model left. It was amazing how that game turned around. It's been a long, long time since I've had a game turn around that decisively in just a single turn. So for all those people out there that are like, Oh, it's a turn two and I'm not doing good. Good game. and want to shake your damn hand. Don't do it. You can still turn it around. I never, ever give up. I'm Pimpcron Churchill. So that was a fun game. Uh, the other thing I've been working on is I decided to bring my Tomb Kings up to go see Sean and the and the boys uh, this weekend. So I had a bunch of painting to do, and good God, I've done a bunch of painting. So in the last week, I've painted three Tomb Kings chariots. I've painted five to- Tomb Kings cavalry. I painted a Lich Priest on a horse. I painted a Tomb Herald on a horse. And what else? I think that's all the painting I've done in the last week, but I also assembled some stuff. Anyway, all right, well, I am going to uh, let you go, and let's move on to, well, here's an idea. Thanks for listening, guys. Now, here's an idea. I think the other thing that, I mean, that you see in 40k where you see a lot of this alpha strike kind of priority i think part of it and you don't see it in shorehammer you do not see the in when you're playing these games here in shorehammer and the reason you do not see the alpha strike oh my god that's just so broken is you get three cp turn one you keep getting three cp that changes the game a lot the ability to cast they the so the problem yeah i know it, and that's where i was going back to so you get command points and you can only spend so many per turn and it really helps limit so, like, I think if they found some way to the so it seems that almost every single time that every every player here is like, man, this is such a broken combo. 
The answer is it's a broken combo because you're using one or two stratagems on the same unit to do X, Y, and Z. Either reduce the amount of command points you can use turn one or make it to where you can only take a single stratagem and use it on one single unit per phase. So you're not being able to go, oh, I get this and I get this and I get this. And I think that would help fix it a lot. From the I was just going to go to this maybe slightly controversial topic of I could go with all stratagems at all gone. Like they maybe a couple, maybe three typical ones, but honestly having to remember 20 stratagems for every single codex to try to even try to start is ridiculous. Actually, when it first started 8th edition, everyone got the same, what, two or three, whatever it was when they first started. And at first I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. We all have access to the same exact things. And then, well, you know what happened. Another added thing I think that could help with 40K is in Age of Sigmar, your, strat your, your command ability usage is based off your heroes. So, like, if you have no heroes left, you can't use any of those command abilities. And it's all range-based on top of that, too. So those heroes, you've got to keep up. Uh, and this is kind of a, a, a more of a segue, but you make a good point. With the amount of stratagems and codexes out there, it's very hard to know everything going on. So it, it really does come down to the, before the game you're talking to your opponent. Because even today, uh, playing the Ultra Green Codex, I got the supplement and the codex. And there was a couple gotcha bonus. Where, like, I'm going to use this stratagem. Particularly, the one that came up was the, uh, the one that ripped straight out of the, cow, the, the Tau Codex. It says, oh, I can overwatch with my aggressors and my tank when you charge this guy. And that, that, that can easily lead to some field bazzing. So that is a lot of communication that needs to happen between between opponents. Well, I think part of the problem with the stratagems was the CP increase for each of the detachments you can take. Because in the beginning of 8th, stratagem usage was strategic. You had to pick when you could use it because you didn't have the command points to blow four stratagems a turn. And now with all the CP, even after the CP regen, it's easy to blow three, four stratagems a turn for two, two, three rounds. One of the things that might help is if GW went back to actually running tournaments themselves and coming out with a tournament packet. Back when I started in third edition, they had commandos and they would run events and they had their own tournament events and stuff like that. It's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, but, but you know, that would be one way to kind of fix it. You look at other games like War Machine that are basically designed to be played as tournaments, but, you know, <laughs> but it'd be nice if they had a tournament thing. I just think stratagems are part of the game, and uh, they, they change it to try to even out different uh, factions. But most of all, um, stratagems are going to be part of GW, and then they're probably going to change them again and make a different stratagems for different uh, factions. But uh, most of all, it's just part of the game, and it's fall fun and good games. So there's one thing that happens for me in every single casual game I play that never happens in a tournament game because of the difference of the two types of play. In that, I've often had a stratagem that is contingent on somebody's move. I will not inform, if I'm in a tournament, I'm not going to inform them of that stratagem. If I'm in a casual game, I'm like, hey, do you want to do that? Because I have this. Here's the rub in that. This game is supposed to be an information completely forward moment. And as players, because I don't know, all of the difference, of the, all of the level of toxicity that just happens in any competitive nerd game 
thanks to games like Magic that are like, hey, gotcha is the whole point. We don't do that in a tournament. I think we need to make it more like, you didn't tell me that, so, or if you tell me that as you do that as a response, I can say, well, I'm not going to do that. If you could take back an action based off of the stratagem, like, well, I'm going to do the stratagem. Cool. Because I'm selecting that target, I am definitely not going to do that. I'm going to make a choice. Then it's an idea of, I know what my options are, and I'm making a choice. And I think that that's a big part of how you make the game feel fun. So going back to the, the Magic the Gathering reference, uh, it sounds like you're saying that uh, 40K lends itself to blue deck players. But the tournament packet thing is what I wanted to talk about. And um, if you open up the General's Handbook for Age of Sigmar, you have the tournament packet for the rule system. I mean, talking about rule systems, think of all the things they've walked back over the last six months in messing around with facts and all this stuff. They've A lot of them have been centered around stratagems where, oh, we fucked that up because someone broke it. If stratagems weren't around, it would be so much easier to balance this game. Not that they're ever going to fully do it, but balancing a game that doesn't have 30 different interactions per codex and then you can soup in other ones, is that's a logistical nightmare. What if they came out with a supplement? They got rid of all codex uh, stratagems and just had like a dozen universal stratagems. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah. Well, my problem with that is like in 7th edition, I'm using Admech, we had Doctrine, so you activated once, one per battle round and you could only use it once per game. Gave you an entire army, for example, plus two to hit in the shooting phase, but minus three in the fighting phase. That became a stratagem in 8th edition for Admech. But it was something that was unique to Admech in 7th edition. Just just quick comment about stratagems. I think adding more stratagems to balance the game is like adding more paint to fix a poorly painted model. Like <laughs> you got to strip it and start over. Um, I, I think from my perspective, coming from third edition, I know the stratagems are more difficult and it's complicated things. But if you might play back in third, you print it. They printed a codex said, here, have fun with it till we make a new edition. Now we get facts. Now we get. Uh, customer involvement um so i'll say 40k is probably better than it's ever been globally uh age of sigmar also that the they show support to their community they, they now granted we are the play testers absolutely we play test the game for them i don't want to dispute that at all and occasionally there is faq problems stratagems are overpowered at times but i think grand scale we're a lot better than we were in seventh and much more than we were when gw never fact fact a, a, a codex and I think the stratagems also do add something to the game in the spirit of the way they're written and the way they act sometimes. It does make your army characterful. It does show the spirit of how the army plays, even though they might not be balanced correctly at the time they come out. So in the whole spirit of a stratagem uh, uh, conversation, I, I love the whole idea of like having like the three general stratagems you know the, the the that everybody has access to but like i think the problem is like so for space marines for example like every codex all the supplements for all the 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 you know 
uh, chapters came out, and they all have like twelve stratagems that do unique things, and and that hurts. And it's like, okay, we do this, or we do this, or we do this, and we have so we, there's what you know, thirty six different stratagems for freaking uh, uh, space marines, and then we're left with uh, all the other codecs just kind of left out. I think if we did a um, so if we had like okay this army had this this army had this and but they all get three stratagems or, or two or three or whatever i think that would balance it out a lot like okay so salamanders they get some flamer rules or ultramarines get some like bolter rules and you know that sort of thing i think that would really balance it out a whole lot better than just having a whole bunch of stratagems do wonky shit As much as some of the Space Marine players might not like the doctrines, I think dropping strategies and going to more of a doctrine scheme would be one way to essentially take out some of the bloat, take out some of the balancing issues, but also make something flavorful. Now, the hard part is actually balancing that so that salamanders are as equally as viable as iron hands because they're as vile as space wolves. You know, that that's a kind of a different issue, but Having like a doctrine that's just one per kind of phase, it makes it very clear. At that point, you can easily balance it, easily give flavor without 30 different ones per army. See, I like the idea. Similar, I was always a big fan of the whole idea that if you take salamanders, ultramarines, and imperial fists, you should get stratagems from who your warlord is from. You can run all three chapters, but you get ultramarine stratagems, or you get salamander stratagems. Your other army is just as viable. You still get your doctrines, you still get your chapter tactics, but you can't get access to the stratagems. Because I don't think, I feel like that is really in a detriment to codexes that only have access orcs. They have orc stratagems, and that's it. And they have the same number of stratagems as ultramarines, actually probably less than ultramarines, or less than salamanders. So are you saying that you should only be able to spend uh, stratagems on the points that you've gathered per detachment? Or is that like... Warlord. You, I, I think you get your stratagems based on your warlord. So if your warlord's from your salamander's detachment, you get access to all salamander stratagems. You can use command reroll, you can use morale, you can use the basic rulebook stratagems on anyone. You can just continue to use it. It's, it's, built, it's based on list building. I think the big problem with that becomes then, like, GWC's stratagems as a complete success. 100%, to be honest. Uh, so you need more individuals, more podcasts like this saying, no, it's not. Because we, I know some of us sat in on the, at the, the panel at Nova and talked to two of the GW reps, and they could not go off more about how much they love stratagems and want to add more in. So I, it, you really got to talk it heavy, I think. I mean, overall, I still like the stratagems, but I, that was an excellent point you made about the warlord dictating the stratagems, and then you would really ease up on some of the soup list, and you would see more character pool armies. Now, play whatever you want if you're playing competitive. I mean, make what you want, do what you do if you're chasing the meta, but it would make the, the more army, you would see more character pool armies that are made up of one chapter of Marines, one chapter of Chaos Space Marines, one unit of Chaos Night Houses, or whatever. You wouldn't see three different detachments of three different armies as often, if, if that were the case. Uh, so if GW wouldn't do that, 
uh, because they are really invested in stratagems, then another good solution I could think of would be uh, to only generate command points based off of battalions that are in that uh, the same unit as your warlord. Maybe they should change their strategy. So, so not to completely ignore what what the previous guys just said, but uh, on a on a lighter note, I I do love a lot of the stratagems that we have. But does anyone else have some completely worthless worthless yeah. stratagems? Preliminary bombardment? Are you kidding me? Raster Militarum, three command points. Roll a six on each unit in the enemy army, and you know maybe get a six and deal one mortal wound. That's nothing. I get nothing out of that. Does anyone have anything as bad as that or worse? Uh, orbital bombardment. Um, talking about things I would like to see in the game, um, let GW sell stat cards. I want stat cards for everything. I don't want to flip through a codex. I want to lay them out and say, hey. They do. They do. There you go. And I would love to see that in 40K. That they have them in Age of Sigmar. This may be in an unpopular opinion, but back in 4th edition, I prayed for allies. I thought it'd be amazing. I kind of want to go back to, I show up with my Space Marine book, and you show up with your Tau book, and we throw down, and that's it. Because when I saw people running Tau, Eldar, and Demons together, I was like, and having 63 Psychic Dice in the phase back in like 6th, 7th edition, that would fix a lot of the stratagem issue is you show up with a Marine book, and that's it. Or you show up with a Tau book, and that's it. Honestly, that's how I just usually play. I'm I'm too lazy to use two two codexes. So I'm gonna have to kind of neuter this conversation a little bit. In that, a friend of mine told me once when we were talking about a bunch of issues with competitive play, uh, and he was like, "Guy, you're a niche within a niche. Most of those dudes who are playing 40k, who are playing any of these games, are guys who are playing in their garage. They're having fun." And the sales are good. So when they see these stratagems, there are ways that they can imbibe their character, imbibe their fun, because they're not playing in the same axis of these competitive players who are trying to find the best way, the way to get that. And I think what 40K needs to do is to say, we have match play, we have open play, we have these points play versus the actual power play. Power play lets them let people have fun. Competitive play should be very reduced, i.e. we pointed everything to a certain point based off of what you can do. You have universal stratagems because we're all in the same boat, so that way we don't have to expect to know the rules. So that way competitive play can be one thing, but let's face it, when we're all, we're all, we're all complaining about the fact that we can't competitively play perfectly, we are not the main axis for GW. We just aren't. There are about 10,000 players who play GW and about... 80 of us are here to play competitively. I just think it's real funny that the Space Wolf player wants to neuter things. <laughs> okay. I, uh, uh, to go with that, I think the soup, as for example, Chaos Space Marines, they're doing really poorly. They don't get a whole lot of like Chaos Space Marines 2.0, really. Let's talk about that. But the ability to soup in demons are very strong in concert has kind of effectively killed Space Marines because it's expected that you're going to soup. It seems like to me they balance it based around you're going to bring demons, you're going to bring Chaos Space Marines, you're going to be this. And we could also expand on leadership traits on everybody has ways to cancel out leadership, Night Lords, but anyways. So I want to, I want to go back to the uh, army cards that somebody mentioned before about like they've got for AOS. 
one of the big differences between AOS and 40K, and it was we actually talked about this after the AOS narrative today, is the army cards for, say, even the new Sisters of Battle Codex coming out, or even Space Marines. You would have to have a card for the Space Marines. You'd have to have a separate card for the different weapons the Space Marines can have. There's way too much customization that goes into 40K units. That, that's fine if you would buy that. That... That, and in some, yes, you absolutely could, but there's other units where you have 10 different weapon choices, plus melee weapons, plus you can have frag grenades, crack grenades, you know, rocket launchers, whatever you want. There's too many options in 40k for individual, for individual unit cards to be done like that. So, it, it's a cool idea. I don't think it's feasible in 40k compared to AOS, where armies only have one or two choices. I would argue a little bit, going back to the competitive play thing, that GW actually makes the rules for units better to sell more. Obviously, they're a company. There's been a lot of times they're like, here's a new unit. Immediately breaks the meta for three months until people figure it out. All the competitive players buy it because it changes the meta. And then something else comes out that breaks the meta and somebody buys that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been going on since third and fourth when I've been playing, so... And I get it's a niche within a niche, but also whenever they say, we're going to release this new unit that immediately changes the meta, whoa, how many Riptides do you think were bought in 6th edition? I mean, when Ovesa Star was a thing, they sold hundreds of Riptides to competitive players and only like a few to the other ones. So I'll talk about the competitive scene slightly for you. Um, I would slightly disagree with that in comparison to the people. Like you said, the vast majority, garage, no one really gives a, sh a shit about any of it. Um, I, would, I would argue that point if you look at the convention stati uh, statistics in the U.S. as well as worldwide. If you're looking at Adepticon, Nova, LVO, Shorehammer, yeah. I mean, we have a decent amount of people. LVO, uh, ETC has world teams. I mean, I mean, you're getting a lot of people involved. Summer Slaughter GT, uh, that's in July again next year from the Basement Wargamers. Burke's Winter Blast. Yeah, the, to, to follow up on the point you're making, kind of the, the, where the meta is, if you look at ITC right now, five to even ten years ago, we didn't have Frontline Gaming throwing up videos four times a week. You didn't have a, you didn't have a stat. Oh. Right. Well, okay, right. But you didn't have a stat center where you actually have groups talking about who's won, who's won every tournament past weekend. We're actually on the cusp of this being an eSport. And when that happens, it changes everything crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, think about it. How many – you can go on YouTube right now and look at any tournament. You can watch games. You can watch ITC tournaments. You can watch top players at Nova Open at an ITC tournament. Now, how is that going to change the meta going forward? And it's granted, 1% of the players affect most of the game rules right now. And that's just how it's going to work because GW runs off of I, what they see at ITC. I would just say on the marketing aspect, uh, GW, I, I just believe that they're going to create um, items and in, in something new so you can go out and buy it. That makes sense. But um, mainly, like... When you have Space Marines, now they change them to Primars, Space Marines. So now you got to go out and buy Space Marines to fill in for your Space Marines. <laughs> That's all part of the uh, 
business model of it. So, um, yeah, they're going to keep these rules in play, whether we like some of them or not. But they're going to look through the ones they don't that we don't like, and then they're going to fix that. And I do see that the armies have been balanced out pretty much. They do have to work on certain armies, but they'll get there. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. This edition of Real Talk with the Pimpcron is actually spurred on by a Tesseract mailbox. It was a message from Tom at pimpcron at gmail.com, and he said that he has a friend that actually goes to Shorehammer, and a couple years ago, I think it was 2018, I did a live reading of basically mean tweets, although it wasn't mean tweets, it was actually my worst comments on my articles. Now, you might ask, how exactly do you know what your worst comments on your articles are? Well, from the get-go, when I first started doing articles, I had no idea how long I could actually keep it up and write articles every single week on the same dumb topic. So, because I'm actually, you know, forbidden from writing about, like, Age of Sigmar or Brutality or anything else, essentially they just want me to write for 40k on Bell of Lost Souls, which is fine. So, I have, over the years, I've been doing this about... uh, five years or something at this point, and any time that I got really mean comments, I screen cap them and keep them, and whenever I get really nice comments, I screen cap them and keep them, and I have, oh my gosh, hundreds of comments. Um, of course, it's got to be like super nice or super mean, not just middle of the way, because there's no point in saving that, but I figured it'd be a really neat album to go back to. Uh, when it's all said and done, and I eventually can't keep this up anymore, and blah, blah, blah. Now, I expected when I first started with the comments, uh, with the articles, that I would run out of ideas in about maybe two months. You know, I got eight good articles in me, and that's about it. And, you know, um, 200 and something articles, probably. Later, I'm still doing it. So, this is a list of the meanest comments on my articles and away we go. So the first one is, does anyone actually find Pimpcron stuff funny? Mm, not terrible comment. Kind of rude. Uh, luckily, someone commented and said, actually, I thought it was hilarious and 100% accurate. Now, I don't know what all, all of these comments are from, different articles. I don't keep the article name on these pictures. But um, let's keep going. I love this site, but Pimpcron, you do really have a gift to write outdated and bland articles. Sorry to be so harsh to you, but come on, at least include the formations if you're writing about army organization, or at least make it feel like you tried to include the newest developments. Now, this person was mad because, I remember this particular thing, he was mad because I called them Imperial Guard and not Astra Militarum. And he said, I don't know, how old are you? Why are you using the old words? And I'm like... Dude, a lot of people still call it Imperial Guard and not Astro Militarum. Whatever. So, somebody else writes, And to think this article could have been replaced with something interesting, informative, humorous, or inspiring. Instead, we get unimaginative GW trolling. And my reply to him is, Actually, this is a true story. I was talking to Larry, the owner, and he said, Let's post an article about something interesting and humorous, or what about informative and inspiring? And I said, No, what these people want is unimaginative GW trolling. He disagreed, and we argued back and forth for a while, but then I reminded him of how I once saved his kids from a Black Panther. The feline, not the group of people. 
Then the following week, I saved one of his kids from a Black Panther. The group of people, not the cat. He looked at me with a tear in his eye and just nodded with his head. It was a real intense moment for the two of us. Well, long story short, I got my way and posted this shitty, shitty article. Thanks for noticing. Someone says, Overgeneralization of check. gamers? Check. Obnoxious attitude? Check. Cute pick to attempt passers-by? Check. Empty feeling upon finishing the article? Check. And my reply is, confused blog article writer because he had no idea he was supposed to fulfill you in some way? Check. Another is, the author, I refuse to say that stupid name, was on a mission to anger people like us. Ignore and move on or just laugh at the comments. I also agree with what you said and the only thing broken in his is his brain. I wish I knew what article these comments were about, but these are not necessarily... Uh, mean, but it's funny that it just shows the different reactions people have to my articles. Someone says, I believe the pimp cron. Somebody else says, Don's tinfoil hat, we're through the looking glass now, people. Someone else says, sometimes we just run out of things to talk about. Someone else said, yeah, the author's reaching just a tad. Someone replied to him, given that this is a silly article, it's actually fairly full of both itself and errors if you take it literally. If you take it as a humor piece, it's pretty brilliant. And the last person just replied, dumb. <laughs> uh, so, someone commented, your writing is bad and you should feel bad. I said, well, since I take all of my life advice from random Facebook people... I'll be sure to retire now. Thank you for helping me. This article is pretty fail. Is it being critical of GW? Is it mocking the people who are critical of it? Is it just rehashing what everyone else already knows, but trying to spin it differently? Is it not funny? I think it's more the latter. Someone else replied, I think the guy just has a case of unwarranted self-importance, and so imagines any rubbish he types out to be comedy gold. And I reply, spot on. Someone else replies, seriously, how can anyone stay angry at someone who supports comments about their bad writing and own self-importance? I'm guessing it starts with Pimpcron and just gets worse from there. So over the years, I've learned to just go along with whatever negative thing people say, and it usually shuts them down. This person backtracks pretty quickly, and it's funny. He says, sometimes I wish there was a peer review process for Bell of Lost Souls, you know, stopping articles that say nothing new, dot, dot, dot. And I said, me too, that author sucks. He replies, I didn't say they suck, I just said that it should be rejected for new content. And I said, no, I'm saying that Pimpcron, the author of this article, sucks and should die, plus whatever you were saying. And he replies, that's too bad, the article is actually readable as opposed to others on Bell of Lost Souls, there's just no new content. Buttered Skinny Loaf, oh gosh, I love this, this was... This was the article where we talked about how we have a secret jargon so our wives don't know what we're talking about uh, when we sell and buy Warhammer. So it was it was pretty darn funny. I'll probably end up making it a, an episode at some point. But um, someone replies, Buttered Skinny Loaf? Haha, <laughs> college fun? Looks like someone is getting a Reaver Titan. LOL. Hilarious. Best ev article I've ever read in recent memory and of immediate application with all the crazy Tau Mecca calling my name. Like I said before, one of my very favorite things is being divisive and 
making people, you know, argue or whatever and seeing how it affects different people differently. So this is a long list of Facebook comments on one of my articles. Someone says, laugh out loud, yeah, this would be funny if it wouldn't sound so plausible. LOL, what a cool article, made me LOL, it also seems plausible. Worst article ever, waste of time. It's all very far-fetched. It's nice. No, I'm, I'm sorry, this one says, it's a nice. <laughs> it starts off sounding possible, that then halfway in you lose it and sounds like the rant of a crazy man. <laughs> What a waste of time. Bell of Lost Souls shouldn't bother with paranoid drivel like this. LMFAO, I think the funniest part is that it's completely believable. So you see that a lot of my stuff gets completely different reactions from different people. That's one of the most accurate articles of this year, satire or not. It ends up being honest and objective. Kudos. Ooh, you've been playing a whole decade. Why are you allowed to write this dribble? What you wrote is not thought-provoking not well thought out, and should have been left on your personal blog. So, yeah. The writer of this article is a moron. Pretty sure it's a joke, somebody replied. Well, I gathered that, but it's an exceptionally poorly conceived one. Yet, completely true the way GW is going, lol. Was it too close to the mark, someone says to the original poster. Not really, It was a, I was a bit harsh maybe, but overall I think I just found it to be a bit juvenile. Chalk of shit article. That's this this one I remember. The person says, chalk of shit article, and then makes another comment on Facebook and says, have read through this article a second time. This is written by some Nick Beard mouth breather thinking, wouldn't it be great to troll the 40k guys? A veritable try-hard shitbox article in the Daily Express vein from a man who is apparently so desperate to A, write for Cracked, the style is identical, B, start his own moderately successful edgy meme page and be considered a great amongst other mouth breathers. Or C, bring everyone who hasn't had sex with a Japanese love pillow down to his level. I treat this article with the same frame of thought I treat most from Bell of Lost Souls. Not worth the steam of mine or your collective piss. Also, while I'm here, 40k good, War Machine also good, many war games also good. Taking the piss out of a war game through an article that almost exclusively pitches to GW fans... Bad, piss weak, and unfunny. So this person didn't like my article. Not only did they not like my article, but they read it twice because they didn't like my article. Come on, people. This next one, I believe, is from an article when I first started Shorehammer. You know, when you're starting a convention like Shorehammer, or really any convention, any event, whatever, there is a ton of uh, lead work. You know, work that needs to be done ahead of that first event. And, I mean, it was, like, constant, constant work every single night after my regular job, after the blogging and all of that, then I would have to work on Shorehammer stuff. And it was, I mean, I can't say it really put a strain on my marriage per se, but my wife did get really irritated with it. So I wrote an actual candid article saying, hey, look, this is this is what happened to me. Let's make sure that we balance our hobby with our personal life. And someone says... 
I think I may have seen it all now on Bell of Lost Souls. Marital, marital argument makes author question his hobby of little plastic toy soldiers, and he writes an entire Bell of Lost Souls article about it. Good luck with your marriage when 8th edition drops. I can't believe this is even an article on here. I don't want to read about your marital problems and the thin, tenuous line you somehow connected back to Warhammer. You need to talk to a marriage counselor, not write an article on a wargaming hobby website about your marital problems. Uh... So, somebody luckily replies and goes, I think you've missed the point. This is a really well-thought-out article about the balance of gaming versus rest of life. Not everything can be a rumor followed by eight pages of nerd rage comments about X, Y, and Z in the gaming world stink. If you don't want to read it, don't. But to say it has no place is like me saying Bell of Lost Souls should stop posting podcast links because I don't watch them. Also, you have a lot of nerve telling someone you've never met to go see a marriage counselor. Jeez. As for you, Pimp Cron, keep doing your thing, man. And I replied, Oh, shucks, Drew. Thanks for the kind words. I got the feeling they may have been looking for a fight. This uh, this person apparently was very, very angry. But um, it really ended up being an inter- interesting article, at least in my opinion, because it was real life. And no, we weren't on the brink of divorce or something like that, but um, she really, it really, really did get on her nerves because all I did was talk about Shorehammer. Should I do this? Should I do that? How should I format this tournament? How should I do this? What kind of trophies should I get? You know, what kind of signage should I get? Blah, 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 blah. The schedule and everything. So it was, it was quite a rough time at that point for her. One of my favorite things is when people actually defend me against uh, some of the trolls, and it's kind of funny. So someone says, It's sad that this had to be labeled as satire. You think you'd be obvious. Someone replies, Well, I mean, Pimpcron isn't very funny, so sometimes it's not clear. Someone else replies, It isn't funny. It's hilarious and possibly true. Here's another hard truth. Pimpcron is not funny or relevant. Pimpcron is a fool that knows nothing. It's a general fact of life that people will take advantage of a system. No matter how hard you plan or test, someone will find an exploit. This happens in video games, tabletop games, sports, politics, economics, pretty much anything. And I replied, laugh out loud, winner of the week's comment section. What's the matter, Pimpcron? Can't, can't handle the truth? Poor Pimpcron keeps deleting my posts. You're toxic to the hobby with all your negative blogs. I replied... Haha, ha, I don't have that power, Larry. It probably contained a bad word and got censored. So say what you did again, but without the no-no words. And that's what's funny, is I get a lot of people that think that I somehow can moderate the comments or whatever. I don't have that power on Bell of All Souls. So people will post a comment that is somehow flagged for approval or flagged for being censored. And uh, Discuss will not post the, the comment. And uh, then people blame me if it's about me. They're like, oh, you took it down. I'm like, dude, I I don't have that power. So here's a nice uh, little list of ones. What a waste of time. Bullocks of an article. Swing and a miss. Wow, I'm not getting that time back. Pimpcron's a cretin. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Uh, Someone else says, I don't really like you, Pimpcron. And I replied, I don't like you, Jarrett. Still not as bad as Black Blowfy, the person says. I said, okay, I gotta ask, now that I'm not, not that I'm going to change, what is it you don't like? This is for science. He said, and then he never commented back. So, it's funny, this is another example of somebody that comes out really hot out of the gate, mad and blah blah blah, and the minute I'm like, well, oh well, I don't like you either, then he's like, well, and turns around. 
Pimpcron explains why he doesn't like something he doesn't understand and why everyone should enjoy the game exactly like him. Very poorly written and argued and totally missed the point. I replied, judging by your comment, I'm not sure you read the whole article. Someone else replied, it's a Pimpcron article. The sheer amount of stupid involved is in the name. And I replied, Dad, is that you? <laughs> so apparently um, this uh, article was satire because... That's why I said, I don't think you read the whole article. It's kind of funny, too, because people will not read the entire article. They will just read the headline. And, of course, a lot of times what I do is satire or, you know, trying to rabble-rouse or whatever. So I'll make an article title on there that is actually the opposite of what I'm actually trying to say on the article. So people will read the title and go, oh, this is what he's saying, and then don't read the article. Usually... It happens pretty frequently when someone is rude about an article, and then I'm like, did you even read it? And then come to find out they didn't actually read the article. Someone else says, Pimpcron has a high opinion of himself. And I said, silence, peasant. Yes, because naming, your someone, uh, naming yourself after someone who pushes sexual slavery is really cool. Thank you. Though I'd have to disagree with you, sex slavery is not cool. My moniker is Pimpcron is because my first army was a purple and gold trimmed Necron army, which my friends dubbed the Pimpcrons, and thus a legend was born. You might want to rethink your stance on sex slavery, dude. It's 2017, man. So obviously I just turned around what he said. I'm kind of tired of sophomore columnists who think they are a lot funnier than they are. And I replied, me too. If you'll sign my petition, we'll get rid of that old Rob Bear guy. Someone said, I like Pimp, but after hearing his voice on Preferred Enemies podcast, I think he should call himself Limpcron. Someone else said, the quality of trolling is not strained. It droppeth, at the gen it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven. And he replies, human judges can show mercy, but against the laws of nature, there is no appeal. AKA, he sounds like a chick. <laughs> oh, God. So this is one of the few comments that actually... Uh, like, kind of hurt my feelings, because he said I should be called Limpcron after hearing my voice. So, now, part of that's probably my fault, because, you know, with the name Pimpcron, you're thinking of, like, the guy in my intro music, you know? He's like, hey, Pimpcron, you know, heavy, heavy voice and all that, deep voice. So, that was, um, after that comment, that actually got to me, and it's funny, because there is a psychological element to all these articles. Um... You feel you spend all this time, you, you spend an hour or two writing an article, and this is your opinion and you putting yourself out there. And then sometimes people just tear you to shreds. And I mean, now I don't give a shit, but it used to be when I first started, I used to get like a panic attack is not the right word for that because I, I didn't get that upset, but I would get very anxious and very, uh, I don't even know. I guess anxious. I get pretty anxious when I would post something and then all these negative articles, comments start rolling in. But I've learned to thrive on it, honestly. Um, that's why the stuff doesn't bother me anymore. I know I don't have the deepest voice in the world. I mean, tough shit. Like, you, if you don't like it, don't listen to it, right? And I guess, hey, whoa, you're listening to it right now. Well, we are, uh, what, almost 80 uh, episodes into a podcast of my little girl voice. <laughs> So this is the Limpcron Warhammer podcast, and I think that's probably the last one I'm going to read tonight. Uh, let's see what the next one is. How can you get mad at this? I mean, the amount of stupidity is actually quite impressive. Someone else says, 
What a surprise, Pimpcron throwing crap at a screen and it somehow is being posted. Someone else says, I know Pimpcron writes satire articles, quote-unquote, and generally they're wryly amusing. However, this one drops the ball, falls into the unfunny arena, and has echoes of subconscious personal upset. Good God. I don't know what he's talking about. But I guess I am pretty full of subconscious personal upset, whatever that means. Alright guys, thanks for listening, and I will check you out next week as you check me out next week, and we'll tell each other if our butts look fat in these jeans.